Master, I want to see. Irony, irony is defined as the deliberate use of opposites or contradiction to emphasize or to make a point. Well, I think life seems to have a lot of irony built into it. Um, I think we all experience irony on a, almost on a, a daily, daily uh, basis. When you think of it like, for example, we uh, live in America, uh, the, one of the richest nations in the world, and yet uh, a whole portion of the country has no access uh, to, to uh, housing. Um, they, don't, they literally can't uh, afford it. Or uh, that you would think that we're the, we are the, one of the wealthiest nations on earth and we have yet the highest obesity in the entire world in our country. Or, or you could look at um, some of the more, uh, more challenging ones is that uh, we, uh, we have so much, uh, we have some of the best healthcare system in the world, almost without argument. And yet we have the largest portion of our population has no access to it whatsoever. And the ironies could go on. I'm sure we could think of some ironies in our own life uh, that, that go on like, uh, like currently like we're in a drought, but we're going to get floods in the next couple of uh, days. Like, and so, so-and-so ironies keep uh, piling up. And today the, the gospel um, and in, in the, the evangelists use irony deliberately to make and emphasize a point. And today's gospel in particular there's layers by Mark the Evangelist, layers of irony that we're not meant to miss, right? And it's important, like, for example, the first one is a connection to last week's gospel about, or, or two weeks ago gospel, when the John and, and, and James came to, the two brothers came to Jesus and says, we want you to do something. And so the same question that he asked Bartimaeus today, he asks, he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? And he asks the same question of Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus says, I want to see, whereas they want a place in their kingdom. So they miss the point. We're meant to emphasize and see the, uh, the obvious. Or the even more uh, obvious sort of irony here is that Bartimaeus, this blind man, is able to see that Jesus is the son of David. Uh, and, and so he sees with eyes of faith, but he is blind. Yet he wants to see, and of course, Jesus, again, the emphasis is, yes, he gives him to see, but he already sees more than the disciples do, because they're calling him son of David. And the, la- the layering continues. Um, the, the challenge uh, for us is, is, to, is to sort of pick up on these subtleties that, that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, Right? And they're trying, his disciples are crowning him king. They're expecting him. He's the king. He's going to be one of these Messiah kings who's going to save the world, like, with strength. And, and the other irony is that he's going to save it by weakness and giving himself over completely. And, and here Bartimaeus, the blind man, sees this and follows him on the way. So the question is, like, in our own life, the other part that we're meant to not miss is that the disciples don't see as Jesus wants them to see. Like, for example, uh, like he, they scold this Bartimaeus to not be anywhere near. Like, don't go anywhere near him. He's the king. 
And of course, Jesus reverses this and goes and calls him. And so, what we need to understand, why does Jesus always reach out to the blind and the lepers? Well, it's very important for us to understand that they represent a group of people that were always isolated, that were always marginalized, much like the orphans and the widows. And why does Jesus attend to them is because, well, they represent the lowliest. They represent those who have been isolated and put to the side. And the question then for us is that who is the, the ones who is marginalized today? Who are the ones who, who are isolated and often alone and, uh, and suffering? Uh, and, and there are many. Uh, today, I, I'd like to I emphasize one which we rarely ever talk about, and, and those who suffer from all sorts of mental illness. Um, and let me explain this by, by talking about physical illness for a second. So, uh, physical illness, uh, just think of physical health is on a continuum from you're in really excellent health to really in really bad health, right? Physically, right? So in excellent health, you are physically in great shape. You eat well, you, you, you exercise often, you get plenty of sleep. And so you got no health issues whatsoever, nothing. Everything's rosy, right? Perfect. On the other extreme is uh, you might be... Uh, we might be morbidly obese, we might have chronic health problems, might have even chronic uh, inher- hereditary health problems. Some of these health problems we might have uh, sort of contributed to or by our own bad choice of food and lack of exercise, or we might have inherited them, that we didn't have any choice, we just ended up that way. So if we're honest, most of us are in the, con- we're in the continuum somewhere physically, right? And very few of us are feeling like excellent health all the time, and hopefully none of us are feeling this morbidly dying on this sort of side. Well, our mental health is the exact same continuum, but it, and so on, on the good health is we've got a good sense of our well-being. You know, we take breaks. We know what stresses us. We're a, a, able to uh, engage people emotionally and tell them where we're at. We've got a good support network. Life is good. We never, never seem to have anything go wrong. Stresses are perfect. No, nobody's really arguing with us in our life. That's the really extreme over here. Now, on the ill health is we, we suffer from possibly uh, chronic uh, depression or even clinical depression. We may have uh, significant... Um, really uh, morbid illness uh, that, that affects us debilitating and chronic in our life, um, that we find life very difficult to manage in, in every way possible. Now, if we're honest in mental health, uh, hopefully uh, none of us are on this end, but some of us might be suffering towards that end, but we're in the continuum somewhere. There's few of us who have everything going perfect, no arguments, no stresses in our lives. We're all just happy, go lucky. It's wonderful. But most of us are under continuum. So what's the difference between these two extremes of mental illness and mental wellness? Um, so, so if you notice the difference between illness and wellness is I versus we. Illness, wellness. And that is one of the most important parts of, of, of understanding mental illness and mental well-being, it is that most often what we do is, um, unlike uh, physical, we can, 
we often, the physical, we tend to take, it's very individual. We take our own control of our own path, and we can do really well physically. Although, when we move to the area where we really want to be top health, we really need some support network. Well, that's even more so in, in, mental, in mental health, is that we need to have others around us. We can't just pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. And sometimes, just like physical, we might inherit some, some illnesses that it's no fault of our own that we have this. And, and what we need to be well is to have a, a community, to have a network of people that help us, help us manage. And just like physical illnesses, um, there are times when there are most of our illnesses are able to be cured, but some cannot be, and they can be only managed. And the same is true for a mental, mental, mental health and mental illness. There are, most of them are able to be managed and, and cured, but some are, are cannot, and they can only be managed. So, so why do I bring this up? Well, because today we know in the social, in this, uh, the social emotional impact of the pandemic has been massive, and it's not just to a small group of people. It's to all of us. Now, most of us are, are in this bandwidth down here in this continuum where we can absorb it and we got a little bit more stress. But some who are up closer to up here don't have much bandwidth. And the isolation has really made their, their mental health dangerously ill. And so what can we do? We can't be responsible. We're not doctors. But what we can do is this I to we is we can move and check in with our family and our friends. And we can ask questions, how are you doing? We can check in to make sure that they are not isolating. The biggest struggle for people who struggle with mental well-being is the isolation. Like Bartimaeus and like any of the lepers, the isolation is what does the greatest damage. And so what can we do? Well, first of all, we can, we can ask the Lord to help us to see, to help us to see and to care when we look around at those who are loved ones. If they're isolating more, are, are we checking? In? You're not, no, you don't need to be a doctor. You just need to be human. You just need to make a, a care. That's what we do when we come to the Eucharist every week. We come in as I, and we leave as a we. That's our promise. Like when we come in here, we give up so much of our, our I-ness, our individuality. And why do we do that? So that we can receive Jesus to go out as a we into the world. As a reminding that we are now the body of Christ once again for the world. Not just for ourselves, but for the entire world. So today, as we go forth from here, is there, a, is there people who in this time of pandemic are, are, are isolated that you know? Can you make a simple phone call and let them know that you care and that you know? Is there a way in which you can, maybe if you're suffering in your isolation and those of us at home watching online, can, there, can you reach out and let people know that you're suffering in your isolation? That oftentimes that that is the biggest signal that you could give so that people can step forward and move from the I to the we. Illness to wellness is just a small shift, and it requires all of us to make that effort. So as we come to the Eucharist, it, it, and I've said this before, it's not enough that we just come. we got to go from here 
converted and changed. And the conversion that the Lord asks us to make every time is to be disciples, to be men and women for Christ in the world. We move from the I to the we. How can we do that today? It's by caring and reaching out to those who may be suffering, who may be in isolation, who just may need that one phone call for you or I that says we care and we notice in Christ's name.